Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 1005, January 24, 2023. 57 degrees was this, uh, the high on this day. That was right. in 1981. Doesn't that sound good? Mm. And 33 below on this day in 1904. Oop. And then, then he played some music. And Why is that not playing? He started the show and the whole deal. Oh, and I have great. a very congratulatory note to office. begin the show. The boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Congratulatory. With Chris Reavers, Manning Technology Corner. Kind of. Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop. John Hyde in the newsroom. And of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. I want to congratulate former President Trump. Oh, he has uh, he's won his senior club championship. Really, <laughs> at his West Palm Beach Golf Club, wow. he won it on Sunday. He he wasn't there. He, he was <laughs> he was six hundred miles away on day one of the tournament. He was at Diamond's funeral in North Car- North Carolina. Diamond uh, was the buddy of what? What was uh, Diamond and Silk? Silk, yep. And they were just two citizens who became big fans of Don. Mm-hmm. And I think Silk's still with us, right? Yes, yes. She spoke at the funeral, and they mm-hmm. weren't in the entertainment business. They just happened to be two chicks who liked Don. Yep, and he caught their Twitter and started retweeting it. Right. Well, in any event, uh, he told the members of his club. That he played at cracking round on Thursday, and he said, "I'm going to count that as my my first day score." Well, I, even though the tournament didn't begin that day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he counted that as his first day score. And on Saturday, while senior members of his club made their way through the first 18 holes, that's when Trump was in Fayetteville, attending a service for one of his ardent supporters, Diamond, and then he tweeted. A great honor to have won the Senior Club Championship at Trump International, one of the best courses in the country in Palm Beach County, Florida, competed against many fine golfers and was hitting the ball long and straight. The reason that I announced this on Fabulous Truth, what's that, meaning Truth Social? Truth Social, yes. Is that in a very real, very real way, it serves as a physical exam, only much tougher you need you need strength and stamina to win. He's in a cart, I would imagine. And I have strength and stamina. Most others don't. You also need strength and stamina to govern. So this this fellow is claiming he won the club championship. That's like when the Russians play hockey, and everyone and dies. they let Putin <laughs> score twelve goals, and no one no one's afraid to uh, right. say, "Well, wait a minute here, wait a minute." No, I guess nobody says, wait a minute, uh, sir, you weren't even here when the tournament started. <laughs> well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. Yeah. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all. Of course okay. not. But it'll course probably not. be just the opposite. Right. Yeah. Love that quote. <laughs> it's golf. Does he know how many golfers he's offending? I guess he doesn't care. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Because he gives a damn. <laughs> of all the sports, golf is the one that clings most mightily to its protocols. What if he joins the Live Tour? Well, that's the tour he joined. 
he wouldn't join the PGA. Oh. He'd go with the Arabs in a heartbeat. Wouldn't they pay him an astronomical fee to he's join? He's 110. He's not joining any but tour. all they care about is publicity at right. this point. You know he cheats more than Judge Smales, too. Oh, there's yeah. not a he's doubt in my mind. That thing down the fairway. <laughs> who, who was I reading? Was I reading? Was it? Was a couple of baseball players played with him? Famous players. Recently? Yeah, I was with the you know, during during his years of the presidency. Uh, that dummy that owns the Timberwolves, that guy. A-Rod. It might have been A Rod. Yeah. Or Jesse not Jesse Jackson. Reggie Jackson. Somebody pronounced, somebody profound right, look famous. And uh they said the damnedest things were happening. Huh. <laughs> he'd hit the ball out of sight over a hill. Then he'd speed ahead in his cart, and the ball was miraculously about 70 yards from the green. Unbelievable. Just a hell of a shot. Him and I, could, we, we'd be great partners. <laughs> That's exactly how I played. Is that how you do it at the Dark Sox Open, Kenny? I had a hole in my pocket, and I'd just drop a ball right down my pant leg and say, oh, here it is, right here. Well, that's, the, that's the great trick in Goldfinger. Well, right, exactly. James Bond drops the ball. Didn't he? Didn't Brady golf with Trump quite a bit? I'm sure he Brady would have. I see Brady's acting petulantly. Well, uh, did you actually hear the quote? You're talking about his interview with Jim Gray? Yeah. Yeah, him and Gray are buddies. He so was, he you, he dropped a couple of F bombs on it Gray in yeah. the course of the pod. I mean, he yeah. does the podcast with Jim. Okay. Yeah. It, okay. It, it's basically uh, the same thing as off air conversation with you and us. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it exactly what it's like. And boys, we all missed it yesterday, and it's to my deep regret that we don't have our own Hank Johnson. But uh, Rick Grosshong from Edmond, Oklahoma said, perhaps the residents of Nantucket Island oppose building new affordable housing units because they fear, like Hank Johnson, that the island will tip over and capsize. My, my fear That's is right. that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Mm. Kenny, I looked up uh, that island last don't night. don't anticipate that. Thank you, sir. I looked up that island on Google Earth last night. Uh, yeah. Breadbasket or Knicker Tucker Pucker or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, Buckboard Island. Yeah. Wonder who, I wonder who those people are. Those look like very nice establishments to live in. They, obviously, there's no cars. They get around on golf carts. I wonder who those people are. Do they have grocery people, stores? Are they people, richer than the people on Nantucket? No, here's my theory, Joe. Um, you know, like, say, um, classic cars, vintage yeah. snowmobiles, yeah. hot rods, tractors. I love that stuff, but I don't love the other people that love that stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I can't go yeah, to a car sure. show because those people drive me insane. That's not my case. So my theory on the island is they're rich, but they hate those other rich bastards <laughs> over on Nantucket. So they moved yeah. to Tuckernuck. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get Just our own island. Stay away from those jackasses. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get today's sense wins out of the way because I enjoy them so much. And I predict if you haven't already, you will be hearing about on the nightly news and it will be cast in a hysterical way. And that is that New York apparently is nearing an all-time record for no snow. 
I love that they call it a snow drought. It's a drought. Yeah, and, it's uh, a drought. So the Big Apple now has gone more than 300 days without substantial snowfall. And apparently the streak is about to end. So uh, this is from uh, AccuWeather. And uh, God bless them. They're still doing the sense winds. Uh, but New York hasn't had any snow all year. And uh, this has caught the attention of the uh, the hysterians who predict, of course, that this is a, an example of climate change. And obviously it could never have happened before. But it's... Uh, if well, you live in crowded New York City or one of the boroughs, isn't a winter without snow a blessing from on high? Not only is it a blessing from on high, think of all the ways it's a blessing financially. Yeah. Uh, traffic management. Yeah, everything. Uh, you name it, it's a blessing. Yeah. You, but here, here, here's what you need to remember if you need ammunition against the euphorians who might point to New York and say, oh, my God, they don't have any snow. Uh, New York is nearing their record for the longest stretch into the snow season without seeing more than a trace of snow. The latest date on record was January 29th, 1973. What's that, 50 years ago? Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. The 2022-2023 season currently stands in second place after outlasting 1871, a year when snow was not measured until January 21st. So, yes, euphorians and all of the people very worried about the earth, uh, in 1871, New York... Uh, Went a long, long time without measuring snow. Weren't they supposed to get a couple of inches this morning? Yeah, the, the drought apparently is about to end. But I just wanted to throw in those sense winds because I find them so useful. And I, I really, You read them with glee. Well, not glee. I read them with uh, uh, a satisfactory corroboration of my thinking, sure. which is nature's endlessly cyclical, always has been. And if you're going to tell me that uh, Ashtabula, Ohio, didn't have any snow, uh, doesn't have any snow, and it's establishing a record, I'd have to see the sense winds. Hmm. Because, sure enough, here's the other interesting thing about sense winds. I haven't come across one yet that doesn't back me up. You're right. Yeah. I haven't come across one that doesn't back me up. So here's New York, and again, you'll be hearing about it from these phonies on the network news that oh my goodness we don't have any snow it obviously is because we're ruining the earth then you'll merely have to ask them to explain 1871 i don't think they'll do that in the news no though. they won't, they won't. <laughs> you know what i learned today and maybe i'm late to the party which happens from time to time um did you guys know that flagstaff arizona averages a hundred inches of snow Every season? Well, it's right up there at the edge of the canyon. Right, but 100 inches? It doesn't surprise me. It's a fairly northern climb. What's the elevation? It's up there. It's almost 7,000, I believe. Well, Jesus, Chris. Come on, man. Yeah, I know, but 100 inches? That's twice what we get on an average. Well, if they're at 7,000 feet. You know know what else we've learned? It's kind of interesting. (laughs) You know what else we've learned about ourselves this winter? We really don't have much of a winter. When you look at what hit Buffalo, New York... I'm going to call you on Sunday and see how you're thinking about not much of a winter when the high is about three. Oh, no, no, but think about it. We have fairly benign winters compared to California. 
uh, in the higher elevations compared to the East Coast. We we just kind of plod along and hope we get enough to go cross-country skiing and maybe get the sled out once in a while, but we don't have anything to write home about. Hmm. We're a very quiet, benign part of the country. That's mm-hmm. why Governor Walls is trying to get people from Florida to move here mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. Is that campaign still? Uh, I think so. <laughs> still going? <laughs> Sorry, Cody Matz on Fox 9. I thought it was interesting, but these guys poo-pooed it. Is he the guy who said peeping? No, that was a di- oh. that was a different that was a different guy. <laughs> no, Cody's great. I like when he does nerd stuff like that. They're always interesting. Here's a typical look at our winter. Right mm-hmm. now, there are some areas of the country where you're clinging to a a rafter in your house to hang on, <laughs> and and that's not true here. Here's a typical note. Uh, this is a fellow named Scott Nelson. Hail the fireworks commissioner! Hail, Hail you. you! It has been some time since I've written in the wayward. Uh, it has been some time since I've written you and the wayward children. However, I have a personal ray of hope, which you and, list, you and your listeners may enjoy. As you know, the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area has experienced several wet, heavy snowfalls, followed by rain and then sub-zero temps. This has made many sidewalks icy and potentially even a bit dangerous without wearing some sort of studded footwear, which I do. I have them with me in my car. Okay. Yak tracks. Yes. Yesterday, as I left home to walk our dog, I noted with pride that our 15-year-old son had done an excellent job of keeping up the sidewalk in front of our house. (laughs) Our 50 feet is bare and dry. As I continued my walk, however, I nearly cursed the euphorians who live on the corner. It was obvious that they literally hadn't shoveled their sidewalk at all, but rather simply let the foot traffic tamp down the snow into a slippery, uneven trench around both sides of their residence. Oh, that makes me crazy. I nearly Ooh. fell over the dog trying to keep my footing. Notably, this is the same family who strangely stole our discarded Christmas tree from the curb last year. Huh? My CP watch, Mrs. Euphorian, nabbed the tree and dragged it up the street, dumping it on the side of her house where it lay browning for several months. It was quite a head-scratcher. Later, we noticed she had staked it, along with, no doubt, some other stolen trees, into a sort of makeshift retaining wall. Must be some kind of Mother Earth news deal, I told my wife. Next, Mrs. Euphorian filled the uphill sides of the dead trees with dirt and planted a ragged-looking bee-safe garden, B-E-E, commensurate with... We are all welcome here and BLM signs and the little free lending library, which seems to adorn the homes of many liberal Lakers. As I continued my walk, I began to notice an interesting trend. Although I personally don't know all my neighbors, most of the ones who I know to be ardent liberals had poorly shoveled sidewalks. And those who I personally know to be conservatives had nicely shoveled dry sidewalks. Pretty interesting. Is there a link to be made here? Well, yeah, we've been saying it for years. I, I created an axiom. Not all sidewalks, let me see if I got it. Here we go. Not all sidewalks remain unshoveled in front of a house with a wellstone sign in the window, mm-hmm. but all unshoveled sidewalks will be in front of a house with a wellstone sign in the window. Isn't that an axiom? 
Wait. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Sure. Okay. Not all. Not all. And then all. But if. Yeah. I then see a guy in his 50s who I have never met. He is using a heavy square shovel, scraping and chipping the ice bare off his sidewalk. I said to myself, this guy has got to be a GLer. As I walked towards him, he politely stepped aside so that my dog and I could pass. I said, nice work on the sidewalk. I do that, too, when I see people do, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> nice work on the sidewalk. Not everyone does a great of a job. I appreciate it. He said, thanks. I had to salt it all day to get down to the concrete. With this opening, I looked at him straight in the eye and asked, do you ever listen to Garage Logic? He looked back, smiled, and said, I used to on the radio. Oh, boy. Whatever happened to those guys? Oh, God. After I told him about the podcast, he asked, do they still do the opener? I said, they sure do. He stuck out his hand, we shook, and I walked home with my dog, feeling a little better about the people in my neighborhood, always pushing back. And uh, P.S., I see that one of my neighbors went over with a big two-stage snowblower and killed and cleaned the Euphorian sidewalk for them. It's somebody like me who just cannot you can't take resist, it. can you? Yeah, I just, it makes me so mad I have to go handle it. So you are still on. You're huh? still on. We're on. What, <laughs> what station? We're on the podcast station. How can I listen live? Give me your phone. <laughs> well, one more on the streets. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you. On Monday's podcast, you discussed the... Con I almost said pod there like John Height. You really did. I went pood. Boom. Pood. Boom. Boom. On Monday's podcast... You discussed the condition of St. Paul streets in the middle of a winter that has brought an unprecedented heavy snowfall. Well, because we weigh it, you know. Mm -hmm. You were right in directing the blame at the local government. As you said, the heads up stuff just isn't getting done. I was hoping you'd explore this topic a bit deeper. Why isn't it getting done? On the surface, it would seem that the city's woeful plowing performance could be explained away with Hanlon's razor. Reading the resume of Public Works Director Sean Kershaw, VP at Wilder Foundation Center for Communities, Executive Director of the Citizens League, Deputy Director of the City's Department of Planning and Economic Development, it would be reasonable to assume that the man has likely never had to shovel a driveway and being in local government likely can't be bothered to shovel sidewalks. With this lack of experience, it doesn't make much take much effort to argue stupidity is the cause of the city's rough streets. However, I fear that malice is at the root of the problem, and our roads are bad by design. I might take issue with him. For much of my life, this city has been run by the left, and each new elected official makes us long for the lefty who was replaced. Yes, that's become a garage logic axiom. I believe that over the course of the last decade, the government's disdain for vehicle traffic has grown substantially. Just take a look at all the money the city spends on, promo on promoting or proposing spending on bus lines, light rail lines, bike paths, and bike lanes. Hell, they even have a standing proposal to travel back in time by adding a streetcar line down West 7th Street. I'm young enough to have seen an operational streetcar, but old enough to know they lost their battle to the automobile nearly 70 years ago. Nothing says liberal progress like resurrecting obsolete technology. 
The problem for these politicians is how do they get people to stop driving? Despite their push for mass transit and human-powered forms of travel, residents are still opting to commute in their own vehicles. We are choosing comfort and security over riding to work surrounded by crime and filth. Even on the worst day, my truck has never smelled like urine, nor has it a, has it had a strung-out, unhoused individual sleeping in the back seat. Unhoused. Unhoused. Yeah. I believe bad streets are their solution. If they can make the city streets as undrivable as possible, perhaps people will reluctantly leave their car at home. I watch your driving videos, and the streets surrounding my house are just as bad. It's comparable to driving through a minefield in no man's land during an earthquake. When spring comes, the melting ice ruts will give way to another St. Paul delight, potholes. Oh, yeah. They've already begun appearing in January around the city. Take a drive on Randolph, just west of Fairview, yep. but keep a keen eye for the chasm just past the intersection in the westbound lane. Yep, been there, done that. Although they've been up and down there with pothole material. Yep. Or head west on Shepherd Road, just west of Elway, but be sure to buckle up and avoid being bounced out of your seat while passing by the Johnson Brothers Warehouse. These giant craters open up in the road in just the right location to ensure that the tires of every passing motorist fall into them, causing a jolt that can rattle the average crap, crap can into a bucket of bolts. They are the <laughs> perfect euphorian tool to bring about the end of motoring. These potholes are not man-made. The city leaders aren't able to strategically place them in the paths of drivers. Mother Nature creates them. By letting water flow into the cracks in the pavement, that water freezes thanks to that pesky climate change, causing the road to rupture and create a new hazard. The city does its best to make it look like they're addressing the problem by patching the holes poorly enough so that they become craters again before the end of the summer. The few surviving repairs that are able to last until winter prove that they are not capable of withstanding Mother Nature's ice once again, and the cycle repeats itself. Sure. I'm almost done. Sure, the GL solution would be to repair the roads correctly. This would involve grinding away the pavement, upgrading and resurfacing the entire city, which would cost taxpayers more money. What better way to generate the funding needed than a 1% increase in the city's tails ta city sales tax? Melvin Carter and his ever-growing cabinet are seeking such an increase, but I fail to believe the Mysterian mayor would spend that revenue on roads like he promises. It's more like he sees this as more money he can divert away from roads, allowing them to fall into further disrepair and into parks and public transportation, further encouraging folks to get out of their cars just as the euphorians want. Thank you for taking your time to read this. If you do happen to read it on the air, I apologize if I've, if I've offended anyone for lacking the eloquence of the average GL emailer perpetually pushing back Adam. No, I think your eloquence is fine. I disagree with him though. Why? What? I don't think I don't think the absence of plowing is an intentional effort to get you to stop driving. It's purely out of incompetence. It, that and <laughs> that and we've we continue to elect a political class who has no idea what the kinds of reality that GLers deal with. Getting to the store, shoveling the sidewalk, cleaning the driveway, getting mm -hmm. the kids to a game, what have you. These are not these people. These are people who are renters, 
Uh, you've got one uh, who wanted uh, Snelling clothes so people could walk more freely on it. These are not people who just have, they just don't have us in mind. Uh, but I don't think it's an intentional effort to get people to stop driving. That could be a minor effect that it's having, but I don't know anyone, nor do I anticipate knowing anyone who's going to stop driving because the streets are so bad. I would agree with that. You have places to go, people to meet, that and, kind of and stuff. And we've elected people who don't don't understand that and, and don't and don't care about it. So right. there's your problem. Once it does get nice, though, all my errands will be done on my Yamaha scooter. Easy to navigate potholes. Currently in the yeah. trust of EcoFund Motorsports in Forest Lake. Uh... I was just reading something that has nothing to do with Forest Lake because I pulled the I pulled the wrong. That's paper like the wrong copy. It. It's the final month of the scooter and electric bike sale and the end of the season sale. These are the lowest prices of the year at EcoFund Motorsports in Forest Lake in Burnsville, and that includes free storage until spring. This is some of the greatest fun recreational equipment you're going to come across: the electric bikes. The little scooters that turn every urban errand into adventure, youth recreational equipment, four by fours with snow plows, fuel injected golf carts. Uh, Tim uh, has it. He's got the service. He's got the people. He's got a great pickup and delivery <coughs> service. I uh, I think GLers have taken taken Tim and EcoFun under their wings, and it's a, it's in Forest Lake, on ninety seven, just east of thirty five E. And it's in uh, Burnsville on the service road near County Road 42. Great, great equipment at EcoFun Motorsports. And check it out at EcoFunMotorsports.com. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here, and you've heard me talk about my relationship with Josh Arnold for quite some time now. And the reason I advocate that you give Josh a call is simple. Well, actually, it's two reasons, trust and results. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions. As he says, past results do not guarantee future returns. While that is true, Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. And you can trust Josh to make sure that you are not paying more in fees than you are selling in returns. Yes, that is more common than you would think. So do yourself a favor by booking a 48-minute free, yes, free consultation that has absolutely no obligation. Call Josh today at 952-925-5608. That number, once again, is 952-925-5608. You will be glad you did. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. How many working days do we have left in this month? Two, three, five? Five days until the end of the winter whiteout at Maple Grove Lock and Safe. Rich is making sure it's going to be a white January with a big old sale on uh, three Liberty Safes. The Centurion, the USA, and the Colonial. Uh, and it's one of these deals where you got to wonder... Uh, is he okay? Why this much? This is awesome. All of these safes made in the USA, transferable lifetime warranty, best fire protection in the business, professional delivery, installation, all of that. The numbers, okay, the Centurion 24, save $300 on that one. Save 329 on the USA 36, 
And, and this is where you've got to wonder about Rich, the owner, saved $795 on the Colonial 50 during the winter whiteout sale going on through the end of January. All of them white gloss, hence the name. Anyway, uh, you've got to hook up with Rich, the owner, Maple Grove Lock and Safe. He's at 6901 East Fish Lake Road. Save up to $795. You can see all of the above mentioned at maplegrovelockandsafe.com. You know, there's a there's an additional irony to the people we've elected, most of whom, uh, just to check the box, would be opposed to the internal combustion engine because they they don't understand it. Uh, I would imagine, too, that we have city council people who don't even own automobiles. Mitra Jalali, for example, I, I can't believe she'd own a car. Think Maybe she does. Okay. But there's an irony here. They're windmilling themselves. One of the ways people who go to work and have to get their kids places and go to the store and go to church and have to get the kids to the game out in Chaska and then drive home and on and on and on and get to Menards or Home Depot to get wood because they're working in the back. One of the ways they've responded to the bad roads is to buy bigger and bigger vehicles, which is a great irony <laughs> for the people trying to put yes. the engine out of business right. yeah. because because generally speaking— you can verify this in your own research. The The traditional sedan is fading from the cultural landscape. A typical two- and four-door sedan, they'll become harder and harder to come by when because motorists are choosing SUVs. Crossovers. Whether they're mini, compact, or big, or whatever, mm -hmm. they're SUVs, uh, virtually all of which have four-wheel drive. And it's the way people are getting around in this Godforsaken city, yeah. and and so it's a, a, a tremendous, tremendous irony that you morons who, who think that uh, you don't need to get around to the roads, all you're doing is fueling the sales of ever bigger and bigger uh, vehicles. The other, uh, are you done? Because I have an irony I've been wanting to add for a couple of weeks now. Go ahead. Remember early on when SUVs, I think it was when the, uh, what's the Ford, the Expedition? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a bigger one. It's bigger that than the one and the... Uh, excursion. The Excursion, thank you. Well, and for the, me, it was the Bronco. Uh, no, I'm talking, when these things first came out, all the euphorians complained about the weight, how heavy mm -hmm. they were and how much damage they do <laughs> yeah. in crashes. And they, you know, they're just awful, awful gas guzzlers, and they're too heavy, and they're killing people. Uh, I've been sitting on these stats for a couple of weeks. What's G heavier, Kenny? The GMC Hummer <laughs> EV weighs over nine thousand pounds. That's up an from, EV, folks. Up from six thousand pounds. Its gross vehicle weight rating is ten thousand five hundred fifty. The battery pack alone over two thousand nine hundred pounds. My car doesn't weigh two thousand nine hundred pounds. About the weight of a Honda Civic. The Ford F one fifty Lightning is between two thousand and three thousand pounds heavier than its non-electric oh, version. Amazing. The Mustang Mach-E, the Volvo XC40 EV, and the RAV4 EV are all roughly 33% heavier. <laughs> wow. Isn't that delightful? These, <laughs> they, can't, know, they don't get it. They don't see it. When you allow your mind to adopt leftism, you're a child. Yeah. You can't. 
You can't link. You can't do anything. You're stuck at six years old. <laughs> you're just stuck. You're frozen you're at six years old. Done. Yeah. Listen to this. Not necessarily unrelated. Uh, Joe, I just came across this uh, fact that diversity, equity, and inclusion administrators are among the highest paid employees at the Seattle Public Schools. Seattle's a city in complete disarray. And this is from the centersquare.com. Uh, the combined salaries of just the four leaders of the departments are as follows. A, the chief of equity, partnerships, and engagements. Meaningless. Can't be judged for merit. The what? The chief of equity, partnerships, and engagement. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I right. get that gig. Makes $214,714 no, oh, a no, year. No, no, no. The chief of the Office of African American Male Achievement. Makes $231,229. Highway robbery. Ironically, the <clears throat> female version makes only $80,000. Right, right. <laughs> the director of racial equity advancement makes $154,662, but she has eight additional people in her department. Wow. And the chief academic officer makes $231,229. So the salary of these four leaders combined is $827, oh. uh, $827,300. And uh, this is from Dan Schultz in Buckley, Washington, the state of Washington. And it brings some thoughts to his mind. First and foremost, evidently a salary over $200,000 is enough so that they don't mind being called a chief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. B, how is it possible that these people got to this level of salary and success? I thought the whole system was so unfair and minorities don't have a chance to succeed. Right. C, if these are the salaries of the leaders of the departments, can you imagine what the total budgets of the departments are? And D, I'm guessing that there are a lot of educators in the district who would have a problem with this but can't say anything because they'd get canceled or fired. Thank God my kids are done with public school, and if I lived in the Seattle School District, I have a real problem with my tax dollars going to this. All the best to you and the boys. Congrats on the 1,000th, whatever that was. Dan <laughs> Schultz, Buckley, Washington. Isn't that something? It's no different than what Melvin's done here with right. his phony department heads. Right. None of whom have been heard from, by the way. None of whom issue a report to the public. Right. None of whom can produce any work that can be measured for accomplishment or success. They just show up for the state and of the city is, address. And, and, and again, and again, that helps me reiterate that the intentional ruin of the streets is not intentional. It's just not where their interest is. Okay. Their interest is in this BS because it—that's how they make right. their living. Well, that's what that additional property tax will take care of. The thing is only at 15%. And then the 1%. <laughs> why, 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 why must we? Why do we? If you prick me, do I not bleed? Yes, We're sorry. Brutus. We're sorry, Joe. If I do what? Yes, nicely. Uh, uh, there's some stuff that I'm not doing today because it turned out to be not real. I believe what I'm about to do is real. The one thing I'm not doing, because I've read that it's not real, is that some transgender activist group wanted to ban an Aretha Franklin song called Natural Woman. Yes. Because they said there's no th such thing as a natural woman. Well, somebody in this country 
and we need them desperately, must have stood up and did the bleep you because they're now claiming that was satire. Which here's, they're, they're here's capable the, of. Here's the sad thing. I would have believed that they wanted it banned. I still believe that they, that they wanted it banned. Yeah, well, it's not going to be. Right. Oh, really? They're not going to take down one of the... No. Yeah. Is Retha still singing the, uh, the national go anthem about, before the Viking game? Uh, just how, how do you go about banning a song? Exactly. Oh, would it be banned? They wanted it taken off Spotify and what's the other streaming service? Oh, uh, Spotify and Apple, Liquify. Apple, Apple, and, Apple and Spotify. Liquify. Yeah. I love Liquify. I like Liquify. to listen to Liquify. Yeah. Oh, anyway, here's the one that's, I think, it pours the music right in your ear. Liquify. Please. <laughs> here's the one I think, unfortunately, is real. Norway's University of Bergen has launched a study of the role played by white paint <coughs> in extending white supremacy around the globe. Sure. God. The university has received a $1.2 million government grant Wow! for the research project, How Norway Makes the World Whiter. <laughs> I, I kind of want to take my hat off to him for hoodwinking them. <laughs> what should we do with all this loot? Into, right. into giving them a grant for this. It's like, okay, hats off. Okay. The project studies the Norwegian innovation of the white pigment titanium dioxide to show how Norway has played a global, globally leading role in establishing white as a superior color. Looking through a historical, aesthetic, and critical lens... Norway attempts to connect the topics of whiteness. Nor white. Nor white attempts to connect the topics of whiteness, technological innovation, and mass exploitation of natural resources. What, 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 what does that mean? I don't know. The mass exploitation of natural... I don't... What? Led by architecture historian Ingrid Halland, the project also proposes to explore... Well, you got to come up with stuff to do to get the 1.2 mil. So they make up this BS. Led, led by architecture historian Ingrid Halland, the project also proposes to explore how the white pigment titanium dioxide not only led to an aesthetic desire for white surfaces, but was also connected to racist attitudes. Wow. Whiteness typically is understood as cultural and visual structures of privilege. No, no, it's not. No, that it's not. Why, why, why does why, 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 why do so many people just poison life? Uh, but nor white offers a distinctively different battleground for politics of whiteness in art and architecture. The university project asserts nor white. I guess that's what they're calling the project, right? Norwhite has received financing from the Research Council of Norway, as well as from the companies Titania AS and Kronos Titan, which mine titanium and produce the titanium white pigment. In a recent paper called With On White, Inconspicuous Modernity, With and On Aesthetic <laughs> Surfaces, 
1910 okay. to 1950. Losing me. Was this peer-reviewed? Peer I sure hope it was. <laughs> Halland declared that the titanium white pigment created conditions for the emergence of attitudes toward color that could be socially toxic. Ah, toxic. Okay. There's the word. Right. What there. is the difference between red paint and white paint? Toxicity. <laughs> In the paper, co-author with Marte Johnsline, Halland goes on to explore how titanium white furthered an attitude of colonialism and eventually contributed to systemic toxicity. Hmm. I'm reading this on a sheet of white paper. <laughs> you racist pig, you! My... Why, my notes. My notes today <laughs> were written on white paper. In my drive, in my drive, I noticed white snow. <laughs> well, that's racist. Hasn't been removed. When I play golf, <laughs> I hit a white golf ball. Racist. Don't like yellow golf balls. Jerry Payne? I'm thinking about all the racist real estate agents right now who, when they get a new listing... They tell the sellers, paint that pink room white. Get rid of that red room, paint it white. You have to give the buyers something that they can move into that's generic and doesn't have a huge personality. You don't want a prospective buyer walking into your house going, oh God, I gotta paint that room, I have to paint that room, I have to paint that room and that one. You just So you make all your walls white and it makes the buyer happy. I got a question. I got a question. Let's go. Oh, oh, I have a question. Our house virtually is entirely white, for example. Well, that's good resale value. And I can assure you that the idea of white representing something racial never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. Never? Now, here comes my question. How would the world be a better place if it had occurred to me. In other words, these Norwegian fools have now poisoned the idea of white bleeping paint. They've poisoned it. They're, they've planted the seed in your mind that it represents some sort of structural racism. What if the world bought that BS? How would that make the world better? And the answer is it would not. It, it wouldn't. It would yeah. not. So it, what is the point of these people? And I think I'm going to just keep it simple. The <clears> point <throat> is 
in the failed academy, there are so many people clamoring for grants that they're yeah. becoming ever more creative in seeking them. Yeah, absolutely. That's my that's my simple answer. It's their foot in the door to the industry. And then these yeah. pompous fools who are so detached from reality, rather than have the balls and go back to this woman and say, you're full of ass, you mm-hmm. ain't getting $1.3 million to study white oh, paint. Oh, heavens no. They, they fold. Oh, yeah. And they say... Oh, that is very impressive. What do we got here? We hadn't thought of that. That's very impressive. What does that do? That makes the next grant seeker's job all the more difficult. Got to up the ante. All the more difficult. Mm -hmm. They're running into it in every failed academy in the world. And I'm going to keep it simple. These, These people are chasing money. Yeah. They're chasing yeah, money. Follow the money. They're doing it at the great ruin of reality. Yeah, yeah. They're changing. They're setting, I don't know what the, it's public opinion? Uh, yeah. Is that, is that they're what they're doing, doing? It's power washing. It's power washing. Well, and we're power washing white bleeping paint. I never, but it I never, was worth $1.3 million to them. I thought it was $1.2. $1.2. 1. 1. Yeah. A $1.2, $1.3. What does it Joel, matter at this point? I have an admission. I have got the biggest racist barn you have ever seen. You, you, you pig. Know. What is wrong with you, sir? <laughs> Let's come back with Johnny Height, please. Okay. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Jim and Kitty at the airport today. Coming back. Yeah. We don't know who they are. We gotta are. go to a funeral. Oh. Isn't this nice? Is this Dylan? It's a Dylan and a song Dylan Reese wrote. Dylan Does this have the singing in it? No, this one does not. I think so. No. Here's John Height. Boy, they write Thanks. some soundtrack songs, don't they? Yeah. They really do. Yeah. I was talking to your son, Dill, about that um, last Tuesday. That uh, what is it? Ice, ice cold. Mm-hmm. That you, should yeah. be in a movie, man. You were that, yelling that's at him. I well, heard you. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Serious question for you, technology freaks. Yeah, I just want him to succeed, John. I should have brought yeah. it with me. me too, On the me. remote you have for your TV, how do you yeah. access closed caption? There should be a CC button. There isn't. It's on the su- it's on hmm. the uh, setup for settings. Yeah. You go to settings. You to go to settings. You're gonna have to go to settings, and yeah. then you'll do a drop down. Yeah. Okay. Audio. Thank you. Because yep. I can't watch Banshee's Vishiran if unless I can find closed caption. Hmm. Follow up question. Did you note that that got nominated for best movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made about twelve dollars you know, at the box. You know what office. else did? What. Top Gun. Thank you. Maverick. Thank you. America has spoken, Kenny. You're wrong. Chris, Chris, as much as I enjoyed Top Gun, uh, and I enjoyed it for reasons different than you, (laughs) it is just boilerplate hack dialogue. 
It's there's nothing, it is so which bad. is what makes it awesome. But no, what made it awesome yeah. was the great airplane scenes. That did make it awesome. Yeah. Hey, right. hey, hey! Don't ruin it for us people that haven't yeah. seen it yet. Here's he John runs. Height. They run across a runway yeah. that's been bombed. I get know. in some old pile of crap Minneapolis Moline F fourteen. It starts and launch it in about a hundred yeah. feet. That's Come fun. On, it was great. I loved that. That was great. I'm not gonna. Say that wasn't fun. That was a great fun. It, it reminded me of the old James Bond movies yes. where it's just total BS, but you go with it. You uh, know what, Kenny? I seriously speaking, I I wonder if you would have had a different uh, opinion had you seen it in the theater. Oh God, I'm sure it was so noisy. Oh my it word! Was. I bet it was loud. It's tough it's getting old, isn't it, Kenny? <laughs> yeah. John Height with the news. Well, thank you, Joe. And this news I should mention to you is brought to you by Air Mechanical. And Johnny, since 1985, Air Mechanical has served the Twin Cities for their heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs. They can also help with drain cleaning, duct cleaning, and indoor air quality, serving the entire metro area from general maintenance to full install. They got you. Furnace installs, boilers. Heat pumps, garage heaters, and more. Air Mechanical employs top-trained tradespeople in the state of Minnesota. They operate with full integrity. They do things the right way, not the easy way. So we'd love it if you'd give Air Mechanical a shout for any heating, cooling, plumbing, or electrical needs. Call or book them online at thinkami.com. That's thinkami.com. Now the jingle. The uh, plumbing word reminds me of... uh... Lee Anderson, who just gave that great gift to St. Thomas for a yeah. hockey building, yeah. uh, he got his start in the plumbing business. He did. Uh, well, he's he didn't come from wealth. This was a man who has built himself into this fortune. But the great story is his dad got wind of uh, plumbing problems at Breck School, and he went to the authorities at Breck and said, I will fix whatever your problem is in exchange for my son's tuition. And that's how Lee got to go to Breck. Wow. Really? Yep. Huh. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Mike yeah. and I, Fret, talked about him last week because it was the day after we had the, the announcement was made. But he did the, all the sprinkler systems, he, right? That, I think that was the start of the, the major uh, influx of uh, income was the uh, yeah the sprinklers. So his timing was on. That's when they had uh, Great the requirement. Yeah. To, yeah. Wow. Well, Mike basically said if someone had an indoor sprinkler system for fire, he's the one that put him in. He assumed he was going to stay in the military with the guy. He was a West Point graduate, and that's what his assumption was. But then he, when his father died, he took over the family plumbing business. Gotcha. Yeah. You know what? Landed on his feet. It's a pretty good choice. I'm sure he worked his ass off. <laughs> sure, but yeah. he landed yeah. on his feet. Yeah. St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter yesterday addressing last week's shooting at a recreation center. It happened Wednesday afternoon at the Jimmy Lee Recreation Center and left a 16-year-old critically injured. Xavier Dwayne Binford Jr. has been charged with attempted second-degree murder and first-degree assault in the shooting. In the wake of the shooting, the mayor said his staff is working to find ways to improve school dismissal and transportation processes, and his staff is working on legislation to allow cities to ban guns at libraries and recreation centers. Carter said he was unable to address other potential past incidents involving Binford, but noted that Binford was suspended for five days in 2019 due to an unacceptable physical altercation with an 18-year-old. Uh, also, uh, on Monday, St. Paul resident Prichelle Johnson told our 5 Eyewitness News she tried warning about threatening behavior by Binford at the rec center in October of 2022. Johnson said her 17-year-old daughter and some of her friends said Binford had threatened to shoot them after a disagreement at the rec center on October 13th. 
Johnson said the next day she called the rec center to complain about Binford's actions and called the city's parks and rec department too, but didn't get anything back. No calls back at all. She said she never got a response and there was no follow-up attempt. It was worse than all. that. She said all she got was voicemail. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, during his news conference on Monday, Carter did say he's ordered an audit of policies, practices, and resources pertaining to public safety, staff training and discipline, and systems of support at rec centers, which will be conducted by a third party. I have uh, two quick questions. Um, one, I can't believe that guns weren't banned already at places like that. But number two, just because you're going to ban guns isn't going to prevent this type of thing from happening, is it? No. Okay. Boy, are we going? Uh, this country's undergoing a rash of shootings, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, California's yeah. had some problems the last couple wow. of days. The the one thing we didn't make clear yesterday, uh, which we probably should have, is the, the issuing of one of these permits to carry. That's not a subjective decision. That's correct. You're correct. Um, and, and an emailer um, um, sent me information that I should have known and said yesterday. It has to go through the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. Well, and this guy must have been pretty clean. Yeah, evidently. I don't know. A Ramsey County judge ruled that the demolition of the historic Justice Ramsey House cannot proceed until the court has conducted a full hearing on the issue. A temporary restraining order signed early this morning. Mayor Melvin Carter had issued yesterday an order saying the proposed demolition of one of St. Paul's oldest buildings would move forward to protect property and people from harm. The Justice Ramsey Stone House was finished in 1852, was once home to the brother of Minnesota's first governor. Now it's deteriorating with a partial roof collapse. It's contained within the patio of Burger Moe's on West 7th Street. Burger Moe's owner, Mo Sharif, applied for a demolition permit last fall. The permit required the approval of the St. Paul Heritage Preservation Committee, which voted 8-1 to one to deny it. However, Mayor Carter's administrative order overrides the Heritage Preservation Commission. Yes, I don't I don't understand this story. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't talk to Mo. I don't know Mo. Uh, Huge it, fan of the show. Was he born in this country? Uh, no, uh, I believe it was uh, where it was. Iran? No. Uh, Nassif. From. Not Pakistan. Uh, whatever. Maybe I'm going down the wrong road with wondering where he's from. He's from the Middle East. Well, so I'm, yeah. I'm just wondering that maybe, you know, culturally it's not embedded in his brain to preserve St. Paul's oldest building. So let's just stick to this. What's confusing me is, why wouldn't you want that on your property? Why wouldn't you turn that into a little how much bar? Is it gonna, how much is it going to cost them? So you fix the roof. Well, Joe, well, let's... Well, uh, Kenny, I mean, the let's reason talk- the cost is high is because it's on the historic register, and yeah. so you have to do things a certain way, and that's pricey. Okay. Sure. Yeah, he, he has to reinforce the entire building, not just the roof, mm-hmm. uh, because it's in imminent danger, according to the report of falling. So, I mean, I can't tell Mo how to spend his money. Right. Well, I'm just puzzled as to why you wouldn't want that on your property. And neither can these stupid protesters that are standing out there. Yeah. If you want Mo to fix this thing, you know, throw Give him a the few dog. bucks. Yeah. Jeez. Go, yeah. go fund me. Shut your mouth. Yeah. yeah. And let's go here. Mo, do you have any thoughts on this? Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> a standoff in which two McLeod County deputies were shot and that every time. Oh, after so a man awesome. who had barricaded himself inside a home was found dead. McLeod County Sheriff Tim Langenfeld said 
Officers used a drone to find the man's body and law enforcement followed to confirm he was deceased. Authorities said two McLeod County deputies were shot while serving an arrest warrant at the home. Fortunately, they suffered injuries that are not considered life-threatening. Both have been released from the hospital. Once again, in the back, you have a question. Well, McLeod County is one of your M counties. Where okay. is, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, what town was this? Winstead. Where is Winstead? 212 uh, West. Way West. Yep. And it's a kind of a small town. Mm-hmm. Did you see this story on the news last night? I did. Yes. I think I know where you're going. Go they ahead. had an aircraft carrier. Yeah. They yeah. had a dirigible. Yeah. They yeah. had 15 fighter jets. Yeah. They had 14,000 Humvees. They had flamethrowers. Yeah. yeah. They had grenades. They had rockets. Yeah. I couldn't believe the material cool. they had. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had Stuff. every bit. They had more hardware than Zelensky's got. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm serious. I could not believe how much stuff they had. Back base, it's technically north of 7, but you take 212 that way. I'm vaguely aware of where it is. And the other thing I want to know is, where's Rush City? Isn't that north? North, North, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Off of 35. Do you want me to text Mo? No. You you know what? That would be fun to talk to him, actually. You actually have his personal number, Matthew? Yeah. Well, not... Not Jeez, that doesn't surprise me. What, Joe? I was going to say, do we want to talk to him today, or do you want to set something up for tomorrow? I'll see what I can do. All right. Get, Winstead ahead, used to have, seriously, We the station was involved with a beer festival that I did out there every year for about three or four years. Imagine that. It's fun. <laughs> they had tanks. It's a neat town. Yeah, it's a neat they had town. everything. They had submarines. No, no had distance what? too far for you to drive to have a beer. Where's that check? I'll be out there. What did you say they have? I'm talking about, I was making some yeah, stuff up. but what did you say? No, what was the armor, first item? Vehicles. Tanks. You're welcome. That is, what, wow. that's just, you know, that's, yeah, I, wow. a two-year-old wouldn't waste their time a with that. A 54-year-old would. I know. Yeah. The University like of Minnesota President Joan Gable has resigned from her position on Security and Financial's Board of Directors after critics said the appointment conflicted with her role at the university. I can't quit laughing at Rook. I'm sorry. Thanks, Jim. It's not funny, Johnny. Well, it it kind of is. No, it's not. In a a weird way, it is. In a letter written to the U of M Board of Regents on Monday, Gable said the controversy regarding her position with Securian has been extremely painful for me and I'm sure very uncomfortable for you. She had accepted the position with Securian in December, annual salary of $130,000. However, in her letter, she said she had waived her compensation and received no benefits. The Board of Regents had approved the appointment 9-3. to three. As part of that approval, the board signed off on a conflict of interest management plan that would require Gable's recusal in securing related matters. The reason that might come up, uh, the three regents who voted no, uh, Gable's role in approving a $27 million a year contract with a securing affiliate in 2019 to cover employees' life insurance. John, do you have the U of M news concerning the problematic mural that we must cover up? I do not, no. I don't. We, uh, we have a, uh, a removable cover could be placed over a 78-year-old mural at the U of M in light of discussion surrounding its problematic aspects. Uh, help me. What's the style of art from the 30s? It, uh, the, the, art Deco? No. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy went to Mexico and got very famous. He came back. It's the same. Realistic. It's yeah. the same kind of art that's covered up in St. Paul City Hall of mm-hmm. the uh, 
of the tradesmen lugging luggage from the river to a steamboat and what have you. Uh, there's a, there, it's almost, uh, oh, uh, I have art deco, cubism and surrealism. No. Okay. Oh, shoot. There's, there's big murals, uh, in big famous places like train depots. Social and, realism. Uh, whatever. Social realism. <laughs> trying to help Shoot. Mm. Yeah, I can't see anything either, Chris. Google, Rook, Google, yep. murals covered at St. Paul City Hall. The whole key to your Google difficulties is improper search instructions. <laughs> Google's covered at St. Paul City Hall. It's getting to be about two years ago now. And you'll know one of the artists, very it's famous. Called, it's called the Epic of Minnesota's Greatest Forests, isn't it? The uh, Depression era? Paul City Hall. The, the, the artist was famous. Uh, oh, I'm so embarrassed at the staff. He's so incompetent. Warhol. Well, the, the artist that did this wasn't famous. It was no. This is called the Epic of Minnesota's Greatest Forest. The piece is located in the Forestry Department's Green Hall on the St. Paul campus. Uh, It was created by former College of Design professor Hazel Steckler. And uh, we're now finding that because this was done, or the mural represents the history of treaty-era negotiations, they uh, have arrived at the conclusion that the caricature of the American Indian and several other problematic aspects and uh, they're going Joe, to... Joe, according to NPR, the city St. Paul City Hall's marvel of Depression era and Art Deco architecture and paintings. That's what it says in this news oh, story. It's Art Deco, then. Didn't no, it's not. That's what I said first. Pablo, does that ring a bell? Escobar. Pablo Picasso? Picasso? No, it's not Picasso. I wrote about it. Maybe you could Google Souchere Murals City Hall. Oh, my God. How about that? Would that take Sushere, long? Texas. You just, you just want somebody to Google your stuff. I know how this goes. No, but. I don't. I've never done that before in my life, but I'm trying to help this moron get to a fast Sushere, response. St. Paul Julius City Hall. I am, John. No oh other God. show has this kind of problem. American Gothic? No. No. Boy, you write about St. Paul a lot. City um, Mural City Hall. Jackson Pollock. <laughs> You'll all know the guy's name too. Um, Red Saint. He studied with he studied in Mexico. Van Gogh. St. Paul streets are undrivable. Chris, don't compound the problem. Sorry. Go well, ahead, Google John. that. The first thing that comes up is TwinCities.com. What will happen to the George Floyd Square? That's the first thing that comes up. Never mind. Russian, Go ahead, John. Uh, uh, just a minute. The other one, John Warner Norton. Is that the fellow? That, uh, that the might one? be the guy. He did the city hall one, it appears. Yes. The one that they did, but I'm not seeing what type of art that but was. But they were just of says, a style that was popular in train depots. and. But uh, it just says Depression Era, all right. which I've seen on other articles. I guess I thought here. it was something else. I, I apologize. If we were offended. If you're offended. St. Paul yeah, City Hall was a marvel of Depression Era art deco well, architecture. Uh, it's a mix of traditional woods and gleaming brass was meant to be a monument to the state's very beginnings in St. Paul and the future its builders imagined for a modern industrial city. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that had to be covered up. Yes. Because why? 
Uh, the artwork really why. reflects the values and how our community looked at the priorities of the 30s uh, in St. Paul, a white male-dominated community, and certainly people of color represented in servant-type roles, said Jen McDonough, chair of the Ramsey County Board, mm-hmm. which co-owns the building with the city of St. Paul. So they're going to deny that that was the actual truth of the time. They're going to deny that and cover it up, which they've done. Right. They're just going to cover it up and pretend that wasn't the case. Of a white man who appears to be a fur trader surrounded by Native Americans who appear to be hauling his gear and in Europe. And that's what happened back that's, then. Yeah, right. that's what they did. That's what happened. We covered all that. And now they're doing the same thing at the U of M. We're going to cover a 78-year-old mural up because it depicts things that we want to deny and pretend didn't happen. John Norton. John Norton. Yeah, where am I getting of peace? Where am I getting the fancy name? The guy from Mexico, Gotti? No, dumb. Uh, well, if it's in, if it's not in there, then I don't know what I'm talking about. Do any of you guys have a painting of an old guy sitting at a table praying over a bowl of soup? Mm -hmm. No, piece of Um, bread. Grace, yeah, Yeah, um, called Grace. You know that that was originally a photo. I didn't know really? that. Really? No. Photographer. Uh, phot- photographer? <laughs> well, photographer? Photographer. Photographer. <laughs> a photographer <laughs> took that in his studio, and the guy he's got praying that looks like he might be in the clergy was yeah. the town drunk. Oh, he pulled yeah. him off the street, gave Otis. him a few bucks, told yeah. him to sit down. Exactly. And it's not a Bible sitting on the table. It's a dictionary, which he turned around so the binding isn't visible. Interesting. A piece yeah. that uh, I had actually had handed down to me and my family was the uh, the dogs sitting around the poker table playing cards that I have in my living room. I've got that one in my shop. That's really nice. In other news, it seems a long time since we did any news. Photographer. (laughs) Kenny Olson, photographer. I'm so proud of myself. Trading Uh, in dozens of stocks on the New York Stock Exchange briefly was halted this morning because they had some technical issues. The major stocks impacted included Verizon, AT&T, Nike, McDonald's, Morgan Stanley, and others. A lot of stocks were shown to have abnormally large moves when the market opened, which may have triggered volatility halts. Uh, CNBC's Bob Pisani said on the Squawk on the Street show that the issue appeared to be a technical one, not something that happened on the trading floor. They got everything straightened out within a matter of minutes. The FBI's former top spy hunter in New York was charged Monday with taking secret cash payments of almost a quarter million dollars while overseeing highly sensitive cases and breaking the law by trying to get Russian billionaire Oleg Deripaska removed from a U.S. sanctions list. Accusations that shock the world of his fellow high-ranking intelligence officials. He is 54-year-old Charles McGonigal. He retired from the FBI in September 2018. He was indicted in federal court in Manhattan on charges of money laundering, violating U.S. sanctions, and other counts stemming from his alleged ties to Deripaska, an ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin. In his role at the FBI, McGonigal had been tasked with investigating Deripaska, whose own indictment on sanctions violation charges was unsealed last Diego Rivera? September. I think the guy I'm thinking of is Diego Rivera. Who married Frida, uh, Frida oh. Kahlo. Yeah. Salma Hayek. Who? Played Frida in the Diego movie. Diego Rivera. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Joe didn't give you the cue to make that sound. Yeah. yeah please don't <laughs> ever again either. <laughs> Diego Genu- Rivera. Yep. 
January 6th news. You might remember Richard Big O. Bennett. He's the fellow who put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk January 6th. Well, he was convicted yesterday of eight federal crimes for his actions. Barnett will be sentenced in early May. He'll be released on home detention with a GPS ankle monitor until then. He faces up to 20 years in prison for the top charge of obstructing an official proceeding. If he were sentenced to the maximum for all of the crimes he was convicted of, which is unlikely, he would serve 47 years in prison. During the trial, Barnett testified he was pushed into the Capitol during the riot, and he was just looking for a place to go to the bathroom. Barnett was combative with prosecutors during his testimony. Prosecutors later accused him of lying and being belligerent. He said during his testimony, I wasn't part of the protest. According to court documents, Barnett had a stun gun tucked inside his pants. He was when he was inside. Hey, hey no. <laughs> yeah. I know, What's I that? It's that a is. stun gun. Let me show you. On January 6th, Barnett was recorded saying he didn't steal an envelope, although he was shown taking it from Pelosi's desk. He also wrote her a note, you might remember, uh, calling her. Uh, the B word. So he put it that way instead of actually saying it. I just think he's not a good guy. Who? That guy that what? put his foot up on the desk and oh, stuff that like guy, that. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's not telling the truth. No. He was there to wreak havoc. Yeah. Uh, shootings. Joe, you talked about California. Man, it's just ugh. investigators yesterday questioning a man accused of killing seven people in an agricultural region in Northern California. Police say 67-year-old Chun-Li Zhao shot dead four and wounded one more on Monday afternoon in a workplace violence incident at a mushroom farm in Half Moon Bay. He then moved on to a trucking firm about five miles away and killed three more people. He was taken into custody without incident after being spotted sitting in a car by the deputy in a, park a parking lot of a sheriff's substation. Of course, 11 people were killed in the Lunar New Year event at a Monterey Park dance hall on Saturday. And then last night, eight people were shot, one person killed in Oakland at a gas station, that happening around 6 in the evening. When OPD officers got there, they learned there was a shooting between several people. Video shows the crime scene of Valero gas station. No victims on the scene when police got there, but officers found multiple shell casings. They learned of multiple victims taking themselves to local hospitals. One person was killed. That person has not yet been identified. The other seven still in hospitals. They're in stable condition, and police continue to investigate that shooting. State troopers in Nebraska led on a high-speed chase Monday. They say the driver was a 13-year-old girl. What? It apparently started around 9.30 p.m. when they tried to pull over an SUV traveling about 35 miles an hour on the interstate, so driving very slow. That's when police say the vehicle drove off, hitting speeds of around 100 miles an hour. Whoa. Troopers quickly followed. One was eventually able to put down stop sticks. The SUV reportedly got off the interstate after that, continued to driving, but eventually slowed down, and a trooper was able to successfully perform a tactical vehicle intervention. Uh, intervention. Along with the 13-year-old girl driver, an 11-year-old boy was found in the passenger seat. Police say they also found, remember this is a 13 and an 11-year-old, a firearm. advanced 13-year-old. A firearm, Ooh. a small amount of marijuana, and drug paraphernalia. Oh, that's really vehicle. sad. That's the pretty children, children, both from Colorado, taken into protective custody. Ah, Colorado, that explains it. I want you to give us one more, Johnny. One more? Give us your best shot. Well, let's see. Diego I'm gonna, Rivera. I'm, I'm going to go with cubism. Uh, yes. Is that what kind you're looking of, for? Kind of. <laughs> this week uh, is the 66th anniversary of the creation of the Frisbee 
which we really? all grew up with, didn't yeah. we? I, I did anyway. Speaking of marijuana. Yep. Oh, I see. The story of the Frisbee began in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where William Frisbee opened the Frisbee Pie Company in 1871. Students from nearby universities would throw the empty pie tins at each other, yelling, Frisbee, as they let go. In 1948, Walter Frederick Morrison and his partner Warren Francione invented a plastic version of the disc called the Flying Saucer that could fly further and more accurately than the tin pie plates. After spitting with Francione, Morrison made an improved model in 1955 and sold it to the Whammo Company mm. as the Pluto Platter. In 1958, a year after the toy's first release, Whammo, the company behind sellers like the Hula Hoop, the Super Bowl, and the Water Wiggle, changed its name to the Frisbee Disc. Company designer Ed Hedrick patented the design for the modern Frisbee in December of 67, adding a band of raised ridges on the disc's surface. By aggressively marketing Frisbee playing as a new sport, Whammo sold over 100 million units yearly of its famous toy by 1977. Did the dude get paid off? I bet it would be worth a lot of money to have an original Pluto platter, but only if what? You had the box it came in. That's right. Joe, have you ever, have you ever played Frisbee? Not only have I played Frisbee, I once covered the National Frisbee Championships no in Copper nice. Harbor, Michigan. Come on. What, what are you talking to feel, though? I mean, what? Oh, people came in from all over the country. I mean, could are you, you talking um, thousands of contestants? Well, not thousands, but I bet a thousand. Wow. Yeah. When you, you played, guys... could you bounce it off the tarmac? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Skip it? Yeah, oh. Sure. Okay. Can you have you guys ever played frisbee golf? Is sure. Oh yeah. Frisbee yeah. golf course ruined yeah. one of the greatest practice areas in St. Paul when they put a frisbee golf oh, course in the Highland area. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know it's what I think? I, this is probably going to get me in trouble. Uh oh. Yes. You know what I think about the women I see accompanying? No. 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 Turn no. my mic off. Bye. No. Don't. Don't hang yourself, Sushri. I'm all we'll be we'll be back hear. right after this. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to say anything unkind. I'm going to say something Joe, perhaps I need to, touching. I need the paycheck, my friend. Think about it. Think about it. it Invariably, thought. when yes, I Joe. see the gal tagging along with the guy, a lot of times the gals are playing frisbee. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I see the gal who's not playing frisbee and she's tagging along, and I only have a thought. I thought. She really loves the guy, or she's desperate. That's my. That's it. That's not well, trouble. You could, is it? You, you could say, say that, that about anything. Virtually anything. Well, then why Ball are you all so frightened? I mean, I because shows, it's you. Because we know you. <laughs> and the part you left out is when she should be back at home slaving over my no, absolutely supper. not. That's absolutely, what you left that out. was not in my thinking. Whatever, <laughs> Mister White Paint Barn Racist <laughs> <Yeah>. Pig. <laughs> Thank you, John. You're welcome. <laughs> I will. Okay. Okay. I think we're starting, huh? Okay. Truth, justice, and the suzerain. I bet many people thought I would discuss today the play story in today's Star Tribune. Yeah, I thought you would. I'm going to explain to you why I'm not. Interesting. Okay. Art dispute bears Hamlin fault lines. 
And it's the story, of course, of the prof who got disinvited to return to school because she showed the picture of Muhammad even after issuing a, uh, a warning. We've discussed it enough, and we came to the conclusion that the failed academy gets away with what it wants to until it doesn't. Yes. And in this case, they're in the it doesn't part, the, uh, princi the principal. The president is named Finise Miller, and this is a piece that just painfully addresses this issue. Uh, and the reason I'm not discussing it is it's almost pathetic to, to read this nonsense. Uh, a left-leaning newspaper does not know what to do with this story because uh, their agenda is split between the failed academy and the sanctity of a Muslim student. So they don't know where to be. Right. So we get all of this hand-wringing in for Finise Miller. It's been painful and a learning experience. No, it isn't. It's, there's nothing to learn. You're a moron, and you shouldn't be a school president, period. <laughs> You're in the failed academy. But once they're caught, they really don't know what to do. They don't know how to behave. They don't know what to say. They're, they're, they're thrust into such an unreal world to them, which is ours, that they don't really know how to deal with it. And a part of me even feels sad for Finise Miller. She has no earthly idea why this played the way it did with reasonable, rational people who are not part of the failed academy. She has no way to grasp this or understand it, nor does her vice president in charge of inclusive excellence and all of the rest of the phony job titles they've made up. Mm. They get away with what they get away with until they don't. Right. And now they, now they don't know what to do. And it's kind of sad to tell you the truth. Uh, they don't know how to bring themselves into the real world. They've been so insulated and they've made up so much nonsense and they've 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 hidden themselves from so many truths based in reality of everyday life outside the walls of the failed academy that they quite literally don't know where to go now. And so there they are struggling and I'm sure they'll they'll work it out in a failed academy way. She'll probably retain her job, uh, but they'll have meetings and discussions and learning, listening sessions, and the hey, professor will get a pile of money. And you, you've, uh, you've been duped. This is a puff piece written by her press agent. Well, I'm, that's, I'm, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm reading through it now. This article, this is a piece of crap. Right. This is just a big puff piece, big upping her. The late the left I, the leftist had, newspaper can't deal with this story. And until I opened this piece and started reading it, and I saw a picture of President Miller, I had no idea she was black. Mm -hmm. That never figured into my argument in this situation. Didn't have to the color or or even her sex, her gender. Plenty of white me. people in the failed academy are morons too. I just assumed it was some dumb cracker. Yeah. I had no idea, and her race and her her gender makes no difference. She's wrong, and this is a piece of garbage, the Star Tribune piece. Speaking in her office Monday afternoon, Miller said, 
knowing that people don't understand who we are as an institution, <laughs> who I am as president, and how I lead has been sad. I'll be honest with you. Okay, I'll stop now because I told you I wasn't going to discuss it. There's there's nothing to discuss. You've been so caught, we're supposed lady, to con- and you don't know what to do. We're supposed to consider her background and how she was raised and yes. the color of her skin and yes, all of this. I'm sure we are. In making the decision instead of her just making a dumb decision. I'm sure we are. Yeah. Only because they come to us. All the way from Marloth Park. I wish you would have done that at, at the outset of the show. Why? Now my blood is boiling. Well, that's why I saved it. <laughs> well, thanks for sending me home angry. Right. Uh, only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Umpumalanga, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans, whose exploits can be viewed at WorldwideWaftage.com. On this day... Uh, Jan 24. In 1848... Citizens of St. Croix County, Wisconsin Territory protested a ban to incorporate their county into the new state of Minnesota. Their land became part of Minnesota in 1849. On this day in 1881, suffering from dyspepsia, heart disease, and depression, Justice C. Ramsey Younger brother of statesman Alexander Ramsey. Let me stop right there. Wait a minute. Did you say the younger brother of Ramsey lived in that Justice, Justice. Ramsey house? Yes. This Correct. is all about yes. Justice Ramsey. Okay. Exactly. I'm not going to look anything up, though. You don't have to. Okay. Listen to this. Now, this is the little house you can still see on 7th Street. Mo has not uh, got back to me yet. It's in the patio area of the it's he's uh, broadcasting. thing. Yeah. That's right. So let me start over. This is an important one. On this day in 1881, January 24th, suffering from dyspepsia, heart disease, and depression, Justice, J-U-S-T-U-S, Justice C. Ramsey, younger brother of statesman Alexander Ramsey, committed suicide in St. Paul. Oh, no. After winning 10 grand in a lottery, Justice arrived to Minnesota from Pennsylvania in 1849 invested heavily in real estate, and served in the, in the territorial legislature. In early August 1862, he was one of a party that attempted to deliver an annuity payment in gold from the U.S. government to the Dakota. The Civil War delayed the gold's arrival from Washington and put the Dakota in a state of deprivation and near starvation, wow. factors leading to the U.S.-Dakota War that erupted on August 18. Ramsey and his companions reached Fort Ridgely on Aug 20, the day before it was attacked, and remained there during the siege. Unable to disperse the money, the party later returned with the kegs of gold to St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think he killed himself because he felt bad about that? Or maybe because he just felt so bad physically? Uh, physically bad, because it was 20 years after, right? That's true. Well, there's your house, folks. Justice stayed yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I am reading that he committed suicide in his apartment, so I, I hope it's not that house or... No, I, I, I think that would give the house some extra panache. That's not big enough to be a house. It's so no. darn small. Yeah. So you think it might be his apartment, huh? Yeah. Well, no, it was a house. Interesting. No, he lived there. I know, but at the time, but right now, you think did, of a house. Did he use white paint? It's smaller than this <laughs> room here. Way to tie it all together, Chris. That's what I do here, John. Uh, <laughs> Governor Walls just released his budget. Yeah. yeah. Good luck to you tomorrow. Uh, 
Aren't, aren't we all going to get a check? Uh, some of us are. Are we getting? Oh, a... gee, I better check oh. see how much money I'm getting, huh? Well, What's the cutoff make... for getting a check? Twenty thousand dollars. One fifty. One fifty combined. Yep. Looks like you're getting a check. I'll just leave it at this. Um, we're adding a new branch of government that I know you're going to have fun with. Oh, yeah, I episode. saw this today. Oh, you did already? Yeah, okay. Did. Yep, yep. <laughs> I knew it was coming. knew it was coming. Hey, uh, by the way. A new branch. Wait a minute. We have judicial. Yep. We have executive. Yeah, not a branch. Just a Once department. you get that check from Governor Walls for just 10 bucks a month or $100 a year, oh, yeah. you get the Garage Logic Town Council, which includes access to 24 7 members only live audio stream full of recordings, best of segments, and replays. And for new subscribers, a Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Center gift card while supplies last. Ruck. Wow. How do we do that? How do we chaw that? Can we chaw that? Is he going to be okay over there? No, I'm going to take his pulse here first. <laughs> I'll call an ambulance, but I'm not giving him out. Just go to garagelogic.com for Is all that, that info. Yeah. Time once again to check in with our guy, Mr. Money Talk. Josh Arnold is on the line with us once again here in Garage Logic. And now's the time for you to check in with Mr. Money Talk as well. So call him today for that free 48-minute financial consultation by dialing 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. You call that number, you get Josh. And you're always going to get straight talk. You are never going to get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is on the line with us once again here in Garage Logic and Josh. The Fed today gets put on the back burner as the earnings report comes to the front burner today. How do you like that? Macro seems to get pushed back and maybe pushed back for the next 10 days until the Fed meets next Wednesday and or excuse me, next Tuesday and Wednesday prior to a big day for me, February 2nd when again, after the market closes, favorites Apple and Amazon report about the same time. Definitely, I'm going to be a little bit anxious about those numbers and when they come out and probably more anxious to hear what the guidance is going to be going forward for both companies. Guidance is definitely important to the outcome of the earnings season. Analysts and other investors try to gauge not only how companies did, but where they project seeing themselves in the next three months and over the course of the next year. And given, of course, that interest rates have gone up very quickly and the money supply has been tightened, there is tremendous fear, although some of it, I believe, is already priced in on many stocks. Witness the major sell-off that have happened over the last year, but there's still plenty of fear as to how these companies will do in an upcoming recession. And I say upcoming recession because since the Fed started raising interest rate and since the yield curve inverted with shorter maturities having higher yields than longer maturities, Analysts and large-scale investors, talking heads, etc., have been predicting a recession. So this will be the most telegraphed recession probably in history. That said, 
Earnings announcements are still pretty good. Today, we had 3M come out with their numbers, another miss, and I'd say not a very strong guide. 3M, which is a Dow component, was down at the open uh, $6 a share. Not good. 3M might be is still facing issues uh, related to some legal actions with both earplugs and chemicals. Halliburton, an energy company reported, or actually an energy services company reported. Very strong numbers. We'll call it a beat and raise and increase a dividend and even a share buyback. Just what people looking for. Initially, the shares were down, as but this could see a reversal and an opportunity to pick up shares. Sun number two, Judd, loves, loves the energy services sector, in particular, the offshore drillers, such as Tidewater and Transocean, among others. He is not strong on Schlumberger, which beat, nor on Halliburton, but he sees that area and still the need for energy being very strong over this, this coming year. General Electric reported their numbers. To me, more in line, nothing special, but General Electric did spin off their healthcare unit as a separate company and is planning to divide themselves later this year into two two different companies, one focusing on aerospace, which has been strong, and the other on power generation. Not much left of the conglomerate General Electric. Tonight, Microsoft reports after the close, and plenty of tech investors will be watching Microsoft to see if there is any strength in their ongoing business and especially watching how what companies are doing with their cloud business. Uh, Microsoft yesterday invested in about another $10 billion in open AI to firm up their artificial intelligence portion. And that is giving an exclusive to their Azure cloud business. But that'll be plenty to focus on with their Azure cloud. How that business does could impact shares in other cloud companies, and in particular, favorite Amazon with Amazon's web services. Much more to talk about as earnings progress this week. Very good advice, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now's the time for you to pick up the phone and make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by doing just what I did. Dial 952-925-5608, where you're always going to get straight talk and you're never going to get sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. You got a deal, Chris. Thanks. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser.